Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. Well, welcome to Northeast Community Church. For you guys who don't know me, my name is Sean, and I'm so excited that you guys have come and decided to worship with us on this Sunday morning. Today, we're continuing a series about what happens after we die, entitled What's After ATX, the city that we're in. And today, we're going to cover uh, relationships in heaven. I pray that this will be something that encourages your heart and um, helps you to grow in your understanding of who God is and what eternity just might look like. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into the scripture. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for being an awesome God and meeting us all here at the various places that we're tuning in and watching this service. Pray that you will help us to be attentive to what you're saying to your church that we will have uh, open minds and open hearts. And Jesus, I just pray that you will meet us where we're at. Grow us, keep us. Um, show your goodness in our lives. Father, we love you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Listen, I'm excited about what we're going to be discovering and talking about this morning. And so I have to start out with a question. What do you think about when you think about heaven? Do you think about little fat naked babies uh, flying around with harps? Or do you think about pearly gates with an old man uh, sitting at the door with a book uh, sitting atop of clouds that look like cotton balls? And if your name is not on the guest list, then you're not welcome in. I certainly pray that you're on the list uh, and pray that um, we'll we'll all get beyond that velvet rope that some of us think about when we think about heaven. Uh, so today we're going to discuss heaven from the experiences of people who were pronounced clinically dead, but they came back to life. Through the advancement of modern medicine, uh, we are seeing more and more people around the world share more and more stories about um them passing from this life to the next and back to our world again. Many of the people share information that they should not know otherwise. People have talked about things that they seen or the people, things that they described in the operating room that no one could have known unless you were actually a physician or a surgeon or a nurse in the operating room and they came back and they were able to speak with great precision about the procedure that happened. Uh, others have talked about family members and uh, family members who have been deceased and that they have met in heaven that were dead prior to them even being born. And when they came back, they were able to describe family members to other family members who had met them. Dr. Janice Holden, a professor of psychology who studied 93 people who had these experiences after they were clinically dead, and she concluded that 92% of what they reported during their experiences was accurate. Another 6% of the people had a minor variance of the story of what had happened or what had been reported, and only one person was totally off with what they reported. And so what they were able to share was essentially a peek into heaven like they were standing in the foyer of a house and looking around and taking in all that they could see. And what they reported seeing was simply overwhelming. 
And most of them reported that they had this overwhelming sense that they needed to return to Earth. Let me say a couple of things before we continue. If you're anything like me, you're extremely skeptical when people report about extra biblical activities or experiences with God. You be like, yeah, bro, you've been or hitting the bottle a little bit too much, right? I'm a very skeptical person by nature. However, I will say that the evidence of these thousands of cases from people around the world, and not only Christians, people from all different walks of life that have been evaluated, uh, they were put together and they were looked at through these life experiences or through the lenses of these people and then compared to writings from different religious background and the cases for the biblical accounts for what was reported are staggering. My friend, pastor and author John Burke, hold on, wait a minute, I think I just dropped the name, found 40, <laughs> he found 40 specific descriptions about the life to come from people's experiences. And so basically, he summarized 40 different things that were a stream throughout all the different experiences. When he compared them to different religious texts for alignment, this is what was found. The Buddhist Tibetan Book of the Dead and Islamic writings had a few correlations. Some aspects of the oneness teaching found in Hindu scriptures correlate. And Zoroastrian scriptures actually had five out of 40 that were reported, but so many discrepancies were found in their view of life after death. But looking at the Jewish and Christian scriptures, 38 out of 40 descriptions that were reported aligned with what people were reporting globally. So all these people from all over the world, from all different walks of life and beliefs were saying what the Bible says about life after death. So everything that I'm going to present to you today and for the weeks to come is based on people's experiences, how that they how they can be aligned with the scripture. So I'm using the scripture to accredit their account and not the other way around. Amen. Amen. One more time. I'm taking their accounts and these 40 different descriptions and I'm saying what the scripture says about what they said, not the other way around. And so the scripture is authority as we move forward. The people whose stories will be used are medical professionals, bankers, lawyers, people who don't have a whole lot of financial gain uh, associated with them telling these stories. As a matter of fact, some of the people, because they're scientists and uh, people in the healthcare profession, they're actually ridiculed for some of their stories or the way that they describe their encounters. Many have reported that some people just look at them funny for the stuff that they have to say. And when people treat them in such a way, it causes them to shut down and not want to talk about it anymore. And so that's why I think that this discussion is really important. You see, the Apostle Paul may have experienced a similar phenomenon in one of the many times he faced death. The Bible records that he was actually stoned and left for dead. Some scholars actually speculate at that time he passed away, but then the other disciples laid hands on him and brought him back. At any rate, this is how Paul reports it. Paul says, I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, 
I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard many things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Wow. Paul says he was caught up into the heaven and saw things that cannot be fully articulated. Human words can't express what he saw. And some things are not even in men's vocabulary or ability to share. Dr. Mary Neal, a spine surgeon from Wyoming, was interviewed by Pastor John Burke, author of Imagine Heaven, about her tragic kayaking experience where she was totally submerged beneath water for more than 30 minutes when her kayak fell or was pushed beneath a waterfall. Being a doctor and a medical professional, she tried every explanation that she could to uh, lean on her medical training to... Um, explain the things that she was really experiencing. But after research and checking her medical records, she finally came to the conclusion that what she experienced was real. Check out her story. And the boat and I were immediately and completely submerged under about eight or 10 feet of water. I knew that I had been underwater already too long to still be alive. Then I felt my body break free from the boat. And it's as though I sort of shook off my shell of a body and my spirit rose up and out of the river. I saw my body being pulled to shore. I saw the guys start CPR. And I could look at my body and recognize that that was my body, that that represented my life here. And at that point, I completely surrendered the outcome to God's will. I was immediately greeted by a group of people, spirits, beings. They were absolutely exploding with a pure love. And I knew without any doubt that I had known them and loved them as long as I've existed. And then I was immediately and very physically held by Christ and reassured that everything would be fine. It was as though his hair, his eyes, his skin were all the colors simultaneously. My life was laid bare for all its good and bad. And Jesus was showing me this and saying, look at how that event impacted this person that impacted that person that impacted that person. And then we started down this exceptionally beautiful path to this great domed structure of sorts that I knew without doubt was the point of no return. I could have stayed there forever. But as we were going down the pathway, I was still able to hear the guys on the riverbank and see them. And one of the guys who at the time was only 18, he kept calling to me to come back and take a breath. When I came back, I spent many, many months trying to find an alternative explanation for my experience. After going through every bit of research I could come up with, having looked at my medical records, corroborated as many details as I could about the scene at the river, 
I ultimately concluded that my experience was outside the realm of science and outside the realm of medicine. Man, what a compelling story. You see, each person is destined to die once. And after that comes judgment. So also Christ was offered once for all as a sacrifice to take away the sins of the people. It's important to realize uh, that Mary and the others in our stories were while they were physically and clinically dead to this world, they had not passed into the next world totally yet. And they came back. And so we so we'll do our best so that we won't get to a place where we overgeneralize from what their glimpses was into the afterlife. We'll be careful not to say wholeheartedly that we understand everything that's going on in heaven right now. Rather, we will piece together some answers to many of the questions that some of us have concerning the afterlife. And hopefully we will clear up some confusion at the same time. There's a biblical example of the Thessalonian church that had questions about the afterlife. The apostle Paul records that the Thessalonians were an extremely loving church and they were worried about those who had died in their congregation. You see, these false teachers had come and spread bad information about the resurrection already happening. Obviously, this was cause for major concern in the church because people that they had believed were truly saved had not been resurrected and they had not seen them yet. So there was fear that they would never see their loved ones again. And the Apostle Paul wanted to calm their fears and let them know that as they grieve for their loved ones, they should not grieve as those who had no hope. This is a popular set of scriptures that we hear at funerals, but note, Paul never said that they couldn't grieve the loss of their loved ones. Rather, he said they should not grieve as people who would not see their loved ones again. And that's the hope that we will see them again one day. And so let's go to the text. First Thessalonians chapter four, starting in verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. You see, the Greek mindset was uh, once you slept or died, there was no more hope for you. Greek writer Catalyst wrote this. The sun can set and rise again, but once our brief light sets, there is one unending night to be slept through. You see, for the Greeks, death was an eternal sleep from which you never woke up. But the Christian mindset must be different. Why? Because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. What God is going to do in the future was based on what he had already done through Christ. So Paul goes on to say, don't worry about it happening and you not knowing about it. It's going to occur when Christ comes back and the dead will rise first. Look at the text. Verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, 
that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And like the Thessalonians, we all have questions, right? For the remainder of our time today, we would like to focus on answering questions about relationships in heaven. We're going to zoom in on three major types of relationships. One, with ourselves and how we interact in the world to come. Two, with others. And a third, with God. First, the first question is, how will we be in heaven? What is the relationship like with ourselves going to be like? One of the questions I often get is, will I still be me in heaven? People who have experienced these life after death experiences said they have never felt more like themselves. They have never felt so alive, so invigorated. We spend our entire life trying to find ourselves. You can just go on Amazon and look at the number one topic of books that sell is self-help because we're trying to find the inner us, the real us. We try to become the truest form of ourselves. Uh, but we'll never really experience it while we're in this fallen world. But in the life to come, not only will we be free of pains and worries of this earthly body, we will feel young again. Remember what it was like to have endless energy as a child? Imagine having a new body that even feels better than it did when you were a kid. Scripture tells us for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. What if we're going to feel like kids again in heaven? Can you imagine with all that energy and excitement about life? Parents in the room right now, you know, you know, right now you can you, you can have your kids in the house. You can they can run around all day. They can sleep in any position. They get up their neck not hurting. I'm at the age right now. I throw my back out getting out of bed. And so we're going to have resurrected bodies. We're going to have these new bodies that are going to be like kids again. Listen to this account to how Jesus was after his resurrection. The Lord said, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies. And you see that I do. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Listen, Jesus was hungry. Died on the cross for everybody's sin. Ain't nothing like that to work up an appetite. They watched in amazement. They were thinking to themselves, probably ghosts don't eat. And think about this. I talked about this last week. Jesus had the fastest recovery in the history of mankind. From the gruesome, beat, from the gruesome beating and the loss of blood and all the things that happened on the cross, it would have been miraculous for three days later for him to just be able to do all these different things to even sit and eat. So what he experienced on the cross uh, to being able to move freely on his own is evidence that he had a new body. The fact that he had no pains and he was telling them to touch me, feel me, I'm hungry, says that Jesus had this resurrected body that Paul was talking about. It probably calls the disciples to really question him like he has to be a ghost. Like there's no way a man could have endured this and been dead and walking around the way that he is right now. But he wasn't a ghost. Jesus said, 
Jesus could be physically touched. He could eat fish sticks and walk with his disciples in his resurrected body. He appeared just as he did on earth. Yet he also could display the spiritual body's brilliance and the shiningness that came out of his inner being with his new body. When Paul and John saw him as a brilliant light, brighter than the sun. And so Jesus's new body had this ability to pass through walls. The disciples were together praying and a door was locked. And then Jesus just popped in like Roger Rabbit. Ta-da! Because he could walk through walls. Uh, he can move by thought. The Bible would say that they would see him and in the next minute he was gone. He was being translated up into the air. Awesome new body. I know it sounds crazy, like science fiction, right? But this is what people who had these life after death experiences talked about. How our bodies relate to the world and the world around us. We see glimpses of it in Jesus's new body interacting with this present world. Just imagine what things could be like, though, when all things are made new, including the earth and our bodies. We're going to interact in this new world, this new heaven and this new earth in a different way uh, than we can. We, we can't even fathom what it's going to be like when the heaven and the earth pass away. And there's going to be a new heaven and earth It's going to be unified as God's eternal kingdom. Watch this. Revelation 21 one says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Our eventual new bodies that we're going to eventually get, that we're going to live in this created world that's created for our new bodies to be just a part of. That's a concept that I can't fully wrap my mind around. Scientists even say that some of the things that they can't explain uh, they postulate, even though they can't talk outside of the three dimensions we know about, some things seem like they're outside of this dimension. And so uh, the people who have had these near-death experiences explain heaven as being like multiple dimensions that we have not ever seen or been able to understand. So imagine this 2D picture in a seven-dimension world and trying to explain What's going on here with more dimensions than you can fathom? This is what scientists who've had near-death experiences came back and were frustrated like Paul and they couldn't explain it. Even the communication with these people or these beings, we didn't use our mouths, but it was a very pure communication. You know, there was nothing to inhibit me from getting the pureness of the communication or knowing something there. The oneness that we had was way beyond anything that we have on earth. There was a, a joy and a camaraderie and a fellowship in the truest sense of that word. We are there because we loved God and we're loving each other now. And we're going to know ourselves, but what about our relationship with others? What about my spouse? I've heard that there is no marriage in heaven. Will I even know my spouse? Some people have asked. Many people arrive at this question based on the way that Jesus answered a couple of religious leaders of his day. They were trying to twist Jesus up because they didn't even believe in the afterlife. They said, if a woman's married and her husband dies, she remarries and it happens again seven times. Which of the seven will she be married to 
in heaven. Jesus answered, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. We have to be careful what we read into the text when we when we read this particular text, because Jesus did not say that you will not be with those you know and love in heaven. He simply pointed out that our marital relationships will not be the same. And here are some of my thoughts. Contrary to popular belief, marriage is for procreation and creating a family unit, which God ordained. There is no need for procreation in heaven. If you have trouble with this, go back and read the book of Genesis. So there won't be individual marriages in heaven because somehow in heaven, our relationships are transcendent. And there is no indication that our family relationship will not be less special or less close in eternity. If anything, based on what was reported, they should be closer and deeper. And somehow we will see how we are all interconnected. Several people who experienced life after death reported communication was perfect. Even though they were able to talk and sing with their voices in heaven, most indicate their preferred way of communicating with God, with angels and other people was directly heart to heart. Can you imagine being able to communicate without opening your mouth, without using sign language? We get a glimpse of this in the communication between God and the prophet Isaiah. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. Isaiah 65, 24. Crystal, who describes her experience with the afterlife, says it this way. There was instant and complete communication between us. What do I mean by that? Imagine a password that if you let me use it, gave instant access to everything you've ever said or thought or felt. Crystal, who describes her experience with the afterlife, explains it like this. There was instant and complete communication between us. What do I mean by that? Imagine a password that if you let me use it, gave me instant access to everything you've ever said or thought or felt, past, present, and future. Instantly, I would have more complete understanding of you than is possible on earth. Well, that is what it was like. Dean, who died from complications during surgery, said that in heaven, when beings wanted to communicate, generally, they did so through thought only because everything is alive. Everything can communicate so that you experience the communication. You don't just hear it. There was a rule that you did not go into any other person's thoughts without them giving you permission to do so. And here's Marv's story. Marv Bestman, a retired bank president, had surgery at the University of Michigan Medical Center to remove a rare pancreatic tumor. During this time, he died and then later was revived. Marv shares this story about many people who are standing in this area uh, from all different walks of life, from all different ethnicities, from all around the world. And he shares this. 
He says some were dressed in what was probably native uh, apparel of their lands. One man carried a baby in his arms. I saw color bursts that lit up the sky. He said it was simply glorious. The music heard was incomparable to anything I had ever heard before. And here's the thing. We talked about this earlier. He said his old body felt young and strong and fantastic. He said the aches and pains and and limitations of age were just gone. He said he felt like a teenager again. No, he felt better than a teenager. And so we'll have relationships with not only the people that we know in heaven, but we'll have relationships with people from all around the world. Uh, In the book of Revelation, it tells us that there will be people from every nation, tribe, and tongue worshiping the Lord of glory. Listen, you're still you when you pass into the next life. You don't become an angel. You don't get two wings. You will be you with a resurrected body. And it's going to be a reunion in heaven, a family reunion like no other. And this family reunion is going to be off the hook. This family reunion is going to be a family reunion like no other. Not like a family reunion where Uncle Little Man gets drunk and knocks over your uh, favorite aunt's bowl of potato salad to the ground and you had not got your plate yet. This is going to be a part of just life eternal where everybody's going to know one another. Everybody's going to communicate in ways that we just know that we are together and we are loved. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There is more than enough room at my father's home. If there was not, if it was not, if this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. John 14, one through three. And this is Jesus speaking. And we often hear this say in my, in, we, we often hear this and we get this imagery or this illustration of in heaven, there are many mansions. And we think of these big old houses and streets paved with gold and all this kind of thing. But when he says in my father's house, there are many mansions. Mansions were really rooms onto the main house. And so we're going to all be family. We're going to be all in the same dwelling place. And Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you so. And so we're going to know one another. But not only that, we're going to dwell with God forever. Author and pastor Don Piper explains his experience with death after his car was crushed by a semi-truck. He says this, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people where real people are together again and where friends and loved ones are. And so we talked about who we're going to be in heaven and our new bodies. We're going to be ourselves. We're going to be in our new bodies. We're going to interact with the new world. We also talked about friends and loved ones. And so we're going to be there with other people. And so finally, what is our relationship in heaven going to be like with God? Listen, before Jesus was crucified, he had one last meal with his friends. He said, I am, I have been eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again. I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. 
Listen, church, in heaven, Jesus is going to eat and drink and celebrate life with us, with all who want to be there with him. When the kingdom of heaven comes, it's going to be the biggest party ever, the biggest turn up ever. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servant to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. So the servants went. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. God, by his grace, invites all of us to be together forever with him. Listen, don't reject the invitation. Regardless of how bad you think you are, how much you don't deserve it, the invitation has been sent. Don't reject it. The unfortunate thing is some people are going to. Some people do. But the party, the dwelling place with God is going to be life together like we've always longed for. No more waking up and saying, I, I just can't pray because we're hindered by this world. You wake up and you communicate with God because you're just in a place where communication with God just happens. And listen, we're going to get a glimpse of the different relationships in heaven through Jesus command to love. Listen, Jesus told us first, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. And he said, the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We do these things because this is how our eternal destiny has been set up. We do these things because this is the way we're supposed to live. Heaven is going to be a place that is full of love because God's presence demands it. And so right now, right here, we should be practicing how we're going to be in heaven. And that's what's called the sanctification process. We're doing these things. We're growing in these things. We're learning how to love one another because eternally, that's what we're going to be. That's what we're going to be doing. And so we got a glimpse into the relationships in heaven this week. You're going to be yourself. Only the truest version of who you truly are. You're going to be fully you the way that God intended for you to be. You're going to see your friends and loved ones who have, have accepted the invitation to the banquet. They will also be themselves and we will see Jesus in his full splendor, the fullness of who he is. We're going to spend eternity with him, communing with him, fellowship with him, partying with him. But it's going to be the celebration of a lifetime. Listen, if you haven't heard this invitation. Or you haven't understood this invitation. Jesus came to prepare a place for us in heaven. He did so by living a perfect life, a sinless life for sinful people. He died a substitutionary death, meaning he died in our place and all he requires of us to do. The Bible says to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and we shall be saved. And I know that might sound easy. That might sound kind of. Listen, I understand that some people we have questions 
Well, we want to help you with those questions. If you have questions about how all this can be, we would love to have a discussion with you. You can email us at info at anycommunity.church or elders at anycommunity.church and ask any question you, you would like. But we would love for you to ask questions concerning, listen, I don't fully understand. How can I get started understanding more about this Jesus that you speak about? Because the invitation has been given. He wants to love us. He wants to spend eternity with us. And if we reject the invitation, we're left to face God on our own. We're left to pay the ultimate price for our own lives. God has invited us to be in heaven with him forever. All we have to do is accept the invitation. Let's accept the invitation. So here's what I want us to do, members of any community.church. This week, this week, I want you to prepare your hearts to share your faith with a friend. Because if we understand that those who accept the invitation to dine at the Lord's banquet are welcome, we should want to share our faith with everybody and anybody we can. And if you're worried about it and you don't know how to do it, listen, you too can reach out to us at, to us at elders at any community.church. We'd love to help you be able to share your faith more effectively. And secondarily, I would like for you guys to invite someone to join us next week as we continue to unpack what happens after we die, as we continue to talk about what's after ATX. Listen, I'm going to pray for us. I want you to reflect for a few moments on what was said today. And then we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for opening the banquet hall to us. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and paying for the sins that I commit. I thank you that you died a substitutionary death for me that I might be able to live that I might be able to spend time eternally with the creator and lover of my soul. Father, I'm grateful for everything that you do for me. And if you did nothing else, my entire life, oh Lord, you've done more than enough. So, Father, I just give you glory and honor. Lord, I pray for our nation. I pray for our leaders as we're still dealing with the symptoms of the pandemic in certain hot spots around the nation and other people aren't dealing with it, Lord, and we're, we're divided over what we should do, Lord. I just pray that you will be with our leadership, Lord, to teach them and give them wisdom on how to safely reopen the country when the time is right. But most of all, God, I just pray that you be with your church. As we continue this time of sheltering in place and not being able to um, get
gather the way that we have in the past. Lord, I pray that you would mobilize us and teach us, Lord God, the new way of sharing our faith, the new way of being disciples, the new way of evangelizing, Lord, the new way of coming together and fellowshipping. Lord, I pray that you would just lay it on our heart, Lord God, wisdom from on high on how we can be effective witnesses in this world. Lord, be with us. Continue to knit our hearts together. We love you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, church, I love you. I pray that you all will continue to engage uh, with God, with one another. And I sincerely pray that God will light a fire in you to share your faith. Because we already know that the days are wicked and we don't know when we want to take our last breath or when our friends or loved ones want to take our last, their last breath. But we want to know what happens after we leave this earth. And we want to know what surety. And so please reach out to the elders. Please reach out to me if you need help uh, in this season. Listen, we love you and we'll see you when we see you. <laughs> Peace. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.